Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to the NXT Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dadly Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to review everything that happened on last night's episode of NXT. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review NXT, but also Raw, SmackDown, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay per views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete. With a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Sidgwick, Michael Hamflet, enjoying a well-earned week off. Sidge, what did you make of last night's episode of NXT? It was a show. It was a show. My God, it was boring. Mm. My God, it was boring. None of these acts on it felt remotely relevant, hot, must-see. The action was passable. There was some good work done, but yeah. that's the standard these days. I just emerged from the viewing experience entirely bored, unmoved. I don't want this to impact the content, but if you're given us something just so solid, then I'm going to be a little bit bored. I'll try and do some jokes. Yeah, this felt like a show where not only were they taping like four, three, four shows or whatever it was in a big group, but also they were like... Yeah, don't get too attached to storylines because it could all change when the colour comes in in the next few weeks yeah. or whatever when we go all Nickelodeon. Um, but I suppose there was eventful things. Not, well, not really, mate. I'll find five bullet points to put with this, <laughs> so it's going to happen eventually. Uh, let's start at the beginning of the show because we had Mandy Rose's in-ring return. I was about to say debut there. In-ring return. Uh, she opened the show. Um, coming out to take on Saray. Always good to see Saray. You and I are big fans of hers. And, uh, yeah, very simple story being told here. Mandy Rose is the heel. She's got Gigi Dolin. She's got JC Jane at ringside for her. Um, she's taken Saray down. She's more the more experienced competitor, at least. In their bloody world. Yes. Um, she does. I did like the bit where she does, like, a push-up push up off the back of Saray. I love the like, old-school classic heel, that sort of thing. Uh, anyway... Saray eventually fights back uh, and gets her own back on uh, Mandy Rose for doing push-ups on her back by just dropping her on her head. Uh, perfect plex. All safe, of course. Uh, there was a guillotine choke in there, and then she gets the Muda lock uh, later on on Mandy Rose, who gets out of here by just, just poking her in the eye. Again, just classic heel stuff, this. Saray, I just love her striking, let alone her kicks. Just There's just so much, you know, she throws a whole body into it. That's what she does. Uh, and Rose responds by slapping across the face. So Saray just drop kicks her as hard as she can. Rose falls into the ropes. We all know what comes then. That excellent finishing flying drop kick that she does. She does that. She hits her so hard. Rose spills out to the floor and uh, is selling her face. Uh, Gigi Dolene, JC Jane, they grab a towel. They cover up Mandy Rose. She, she's been injured in storyline, I assume. We haven't heard any reports or anything. Uh, she's she's been disfigured by this finisher. She runs away, and Saray wins via countout. Uh, I've got very few thoughts on the match. It was designed to spotlight this new Mandy Rose character more so than it was Saray. He got glimpses of Saray being awesome, but as he said, it was mostly just positioning Mandy Rose as a heel. And you know what? That isn't a bad thing to do necessarily. It wasn't an ex wasn't an exactly thrilling match, but at least the heels are performing and wrestling like heels in this brand where heel versus heel matches are just all action, which is just so odd. Like, I will say that the Capital Wrestling Center got absolutely worked big time. 
there were reports from the tapings. I don't tend to seek out spoilers, but this one just happened to uh, crop, up my, crop up on my timeline of Maddie Rose horrifically injured on NXT tapings. Like, took a really bad bump off that Saray uh, dropkick on the ropes. She put her head back, was like, nope, I'm not taking yeah. that. <laughs> Even for the sake of selling disfigurement, I'm not going anywhere near that. Just head back. How could you fall for that? Mm. People did. There was did a, they, there's a spoiler re- a spoiler report circulated that Mandy Rose was really injured. I mean, the thing that was, I think it was tempted by the fact that, oh, it might be a storyline. Yeah, No, sh- Sherlock. A <laughs> uh, lot of audio sweetening I noticed on this show as well, by the way. Yes, you kind of have to. It was <laughs> one match and it was just like, like, it was like playing the old FIFA when it was just like, whoa, whoa. And I was like, nothing's happening. That's <laughs> what's going on. I mean, this is odd. The finish was odd. I understand that she will probably return under a mask. But like, I don't, Will Bourne help me out. What was this? If she's going to teach Gigi Dolan, and what's the other one? JC Jane. And JC Jane, like the keys to victory, how to succeed. Um, basically, you just get yourself intentionally counted out by faking an injury. Yeah, she did say, if you never want to feel like this again, come with me. And presumably that means losing a match by a pinfall. Yes. I would have thought losing in general. Yeah, no, 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 no. She said, you never want to feel like this. Like, I've lost because of a pinfall. Wilborn, let's see how it plays out. Hey, that's a very good point. I love that. It's like a wrestler, and, like, they've been beaten 50 million times. They've been, like, embarrassed with a gimmick. And then there's, like, the slightest hint of a storyline direction that you can't take seriously. Come on, guys, let's see how this one plays out. Here's a quick question, because I'm bored already talking about NXT. It's so boring. When was the worst, or when was the one time when you bought into that and then it was cut out from underneath you and you went, well, I'm never going to fall for that one again? Oh, Because for me, it was the Summer of Punk. Because I was like, give it time, guys. Something's going on here. Kevin Nash, they brought Kevin Nash. Sorry, what's happening? He's he's not facing, he's fighting, he's lost. Right, and now they're tagging, and he's taking the pinfall against R-Truth, and, and now he's finally won the title, and it's bloody November. And I was just like, right, so see how this plays out. It's a load of bollocks. It is a load of bollocks. Mine came a little bit later, I regret to say, because it makes me look like a mug. But I would literally watched week to week the Summer of Punk and realized, Jesus Christ, this company is absolutely impervious to the change that is getting projected on them at like a deafening volume in those arenas. And it was because of that volume and because I just thought, well, like, they can't ignore that. It's so loud. They are hijacking every show. John Cena and Randy Orton had a match at the 2014 Royal Rumble. And it's like, <laughs> it just got emphatically rejected. I'm thinking, something has to change, obviously. And I stuck with the Daniel Bryan thing for a long time, mm. even though it was clear when they start the resumed the Bryan Orton program after SummerSlam 2013. And it's just like, oh, you're going through your roller decks of Carney finishes to buy time to get to, oh, well, they're not going to do Daniel Bryan versus Randy Orton. So how are they going to do this? Oh, they're relegating Randy or- uh, Daniel Bryan in Survivor Series 2013. And that was it. Like, looking back now, WWE goes, what was a hell of a story we told, like, from yeah. SummerSlam all the way through to WrestleMania. No, if you hadn't have had the issues with Punk uh, and the, like you say, emphatic rejection across the board. Of like WWE, Batista, Orton, Cena, yeah. yeah. Then you would have gone, well, if, if they didn't have that, they'd have gone, Batista, Randy Orton, main event of WrestleMania, guys. For this to have made any sense, they would have had to have buried Batista deliberately when there was no point because it wasn't as if Brian Brian wasn't completely white-hot and hugely over. And, you know, CM Punk, if you could just, you know, fake leave on purpose just to get this over. It was already over. Yeah. Nonsense. Anyway, back to NXT. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa, great promo, as always, from him. He's sitting, he's got an empty chair next to him that's normally... uh, Occupied by toothless Timmy, in his words, um, he's he's pissed off, obviously, with Ridge Holland uh, that uh, that they got attacked by Holland and the rest of them, and they've injured uh, Timothy Thatcher. He's fighting for NXT for his family. He said he's not going to, you know, get upset and cry over spilled milk. But he said a motivated champer is a scary champer, and he hoys the chair behind him. It slams against the little shuttle wall, and he storms off. I mean. On a show where it was just sort of coasting along, this did get me a little bit fired up for the main event. A little bit. I got. A, I jumped a little bit when he threw that chair. Oh, oh you bloody are scary. <laughs> it 
He is doing some great stuff, to be fair, for, considering we were just like, if he's not in and around the title picture, I don't really know what he's doing. They've, they've, they've hit a hell of a stride with him. I do hope that he features in their plans going forward, despite the fact he's so small compared to what Vince <laughs> wants, of course, not in reality. Uh, right, next up, it was uh, Kylo O'Reilly Kylo versus Duke Bloody Hudson. Um, again, sort of quite old school wrestling this in terms of Kyle O'Reilly comes out, he's got his ribs taped up, of course, because of the war he went through at TakeOver, and it's a target for, for Duke Bloody Hudson, and that's exactly what happens. He works over the ribs. Uh, eventually, O'Reilly fights back, uh, hits a, get a tilt whirl into a guillotine choke, but Hudson powers out of it and suplexes O'Reilly for a nice near fall. Um, he catches later on Hudson with a dragon screw leg drop whilst he's on the apron, climbs up the ropes, hits that flying knee drop of his onto Hudson's leg, and finally, after attempting it a few times during the match, locks in the heel hook for the submission victory. And they put him over effectively as, well, probably the next challenger for Samoa Joe. Dry, functional, quite a well-worked match considering that Vink, Duke Bloody Adson, isn't going to be confused with the super worker. But he's got presence, he's got, he exudes a real sense of composure and smugness and personality. Um, Kyle O'Reilly worked with him and guided him to a pretty good match. Um, this felt more than anything to me like a glimpse into the actual new rebooted NXT in mm. which super worker Kyle O'Reilly guides less experienced, less talented opponent to a match that meets just about the mid-card NXT standard. Um, yeah, it's not really going to be electrifying going forward, one would think, but these things take time. Yeah, nice little thing. Set it up last week with him taking the piss about, you know, him getting involved in that massive trope promo train with Samoa Joe, and then he defies the odds yet again, defeats him and... Maybe he could beat Samoa Joe, and that's the, the story they're telling there. Incredibly logical. Yes. Is how I would put this. Painfully the, logical. Painfully, incredibly logical. You get the guy over in defeat. You work a story around respective body parts and which one's more damaged and who's got more fire and more skill. And you get the desired outcome in which the result is right, but you don't make a mockery of the guy that you really want to build as a long-term prospect. This is the kind of thing, right, where a pro wrestling reviewer online who is not me would, like, marvel at this. It's like the structure of a match without feeling anything massively yes. towards it. And it's like you're reviewing a table. <laughs> like, you, you, you talk in terms of, oh, this is solid, this is sturdy, the structure was great. It's like, it's pro wrestling. <laughs> it's not a bit of apparatus. No. You are meant to feel something for it. Like, you are... Putting over bridges in tables and structures. Like, <laughs> I really like this, yeah. Can I feel something? Yeah. It's so odd the way people go on. Yeah, it's like someone getting excited on like Top Gear or whatever it is, going, This car gets you from A to B. So like you know what you want to be there, like, oh my god, I got more than sixty in like three seconds, and then look at what does do the corners, but in reality he's like, get in there. It's faster than walking, so <laughs> what? It's exactly, that's a hell of a, I, I really like that analogy. Uh, right, we followed that up with uh, Ilya Dragunov, the new NXT UK champion. He came out. I'm never one to wish an injury on anyone, but if he could just keep that horrific scar cut he's got above his eye, I think he looks like a badass with that, really. Uh, and he comes out, and he isn't just fine, because it's been two weeks since... Uh, takeover. Obviously, I wasn't the famous, but even so, he comes out, he's limping, because, yeah... He went to a, what was it, a six-star? What did they get? Five and a quarter. Five and a quarter star uh, match with what well-deserved in, in Meltzer's star ratings, in my opinion. Um, yeah, he's out there. He basically comes out and goes, still alive. I'm still alive. And he says, not only is he alive, he's more alive than ever before. Uh, he feels like a man that survived the most intense battle of his life, because he did. He likes it here in NXT. Uh, he's going away now. He's going presumably back to just that dingy BT Sports studio for NXT UK, but he will he'll be back again soon. And the crowd do really appreciate him. Um, he uh, he puts out an open challenge effectively saying, who's going to be the person willing to take this NXT UK championship away from him? He says, the ring general has fallen. Long live the czar. We anticipate an interruption this, but a night as a nice sort of drawing a line under Dragonov's appearances in NXT. I thought I think he's been a, a, a hell of an addition, even though he shouldn't have lost to Pete Dunne, probably. No, he probably should not have lost to Pete Dunne, but in the end, it didn't matter. Um, and that's the problem with NXT. 
you can't really love it week to week because of the asinine booking and the draft booking, and then they rely on these exceptional performers, of which Dragunov is included, of course, to deliver a sensational classic match and a decent enough promo that got an enthusiastic response. Um, this is just nice more than anything. It didn't have any big narrative impetus or even purpose, if you like, mm-hmm. but ultimately... It just got over the idea that being a champion and delivering a classic matters to such a degree that they are willing to just spend a couple of minutes in celebration of that. These little tiny nuances help get people over. This is something that AEW Dynamite doesn't do often enough. They just registered and luxuriated Mm. in, we've got a guy who's just delivered a classic. Let's celebrate that for no real purpose other than to gradually make everything mean something. A hell of a transformation when you think back to, like, Worlds Collide, because I really enjoyed his match with Finn Balor. They, again, just beat the crap out of each other. But when he made his entrance, I mean, you're going up against Finn Balor in yeah. terms of entrance. It's not really fair, but it did seem like people were like, eh. Now, now though, guy? look how well he's received. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right, we get a sit-down interview with uh, former WCPW wrestler. I think she's done some stuff in NXT UK as well. Uh, Kaylee Ray, uh, Arash Markazi, sits down with her, and she buries the entire female roster. Brilliant heel stuff, this. Uh, she picks off everyone from Raquel Gonzalez to Io Shirai to Ember Moon, who she's very uh, keen to point out is, you know, just in her way an obstacle, going to get, you know, one going to get injured. But I'm just going to take her out of the picture, basically. Uh, and she says William Regal brought her to the to the NXT US to NXT, basically to dominate, just like she did in the UK. I think they're they're building up her brilliantly. They love. They've done very well. I will say this with with Kaylee Ray, and she merits this. She's so talented. I'm biased, I know, but NXT UK. They didn't just say, "Oh, she was a champion in NXT UK." They showed you what she was able to do. When Raquel Gonzalez acknowledged her, she pointed out the length of time she was champion. Later on, Ember Moon did the exact same thing. They're making her feel like a big deal. Yes, indeed. Um, again, just small, elegant moments of booking between the video packages, the promos, uh, the constant reminders that um, she did have a ostensibly successful run in NXT UK, winning a title doesn't necessarily mean you're a huge success. Did you make an imprint? Did loads of people talk about you online? Did you create discourse? Did you move any needles? None of that, but they've got a robust enough kayfabe explanation as to why she should resonate as a threat to um, Raquel Gonzalez. This allowed an opportunity to show the personality rather than just the Wikipedia page on yes. the screen. Uh, so this was strong in that respect. Um She's definitely got something about Akeli Ray. I think mm. everyone who follows NXT UK, all of those 14 people will tell you <laughs> that this is, in fact, the case. Um, a promising, auspicious start. Yeah, like you say, we've we've got the video packages of her beating up, I don't know, Piper Niven or whatever it may be. But I do think for a casual fan, your ears prick up when she says, like, I was the longest reigning champion for seven years or whatever it was. I felt like that was like, oh... I know that's, you know, you can say 400 days or 600 days or whatever you want to say. I don't know, just saying, like, I, I've been the person who's had the longest title reign in the last seven years makes you think, oh, it's pretty impressive. Don't look into it because it's only for you going on and yeah. actually watches that, but still. She wasn't even working for, like, half of Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, right, another uh, interview now. It was Carmelo Hayes who won the NXT breakout tournament last week, is it? Uh, time has no meaning to me, to be honest. Uh She's, he's chatting with Mackenzie Mitchell, though, yeah. And in comes Electra Lopez, uh, the latest member, presumably, of Legado del Fantasma, and basically says, congratulations, uh, you know, you've got this contract for a title shot of your choice. Don't get in the North American title, though. That's Santos Escobar's when he beat Swerve for that, basically. And uh, in comes uh, the rest of Legado del Fantasma, or specifically Joaquin Wilde and Raul Mendoza, and they are jaw-jacking, let's say, with, with Carmelo Hayes. And Escobar says, hey, leave him alone, just... Just remember, the North American title's mine. Stay out of my business. Carmelo Hayes goes, is that a threat? And I was like, yes, Carmelo. I thought that was fairly obvious. But yeah, I mean, Carmelo Hayes versus Santos Escobar is a very tasty potential match. Uh, Yes, absolutely. Um, We can go one or two directions with this. In theory, it's interesting. (laughs) In theory, it's interesting. It's not really like a big pop-off-the-page thing. Um, Look, they could do Escobar versus Hayes. Would they? Because he's already got a shot. Why would he... They have the potential to make Carmelo Hayes look like an idiot. He could simply ignore Santos Escobar mm-hmm. outright and say, well, suppose a champion, I'm just going to have a match with him because I'm allowed. Let it play out. 
Yeah, uh, do you know what? I, I will actually say that for this because in terms of like the new, colourful, fun, attention-grabbing, hopefully, NXT in, in WWE's eyes, Santos Escobar... Rainbows are attention-grabbing, but they don't actually <laughs> produce good wrestling. <laughs> yes. Santos Escobar versus Swerve, again, is great. And if never people haven't seen it, there's so much stuff to do there. If you put Carmelo Hayes into that mix, whether it's for singles matches or eventually a or quite potentially sensational triple threat between them, that's what the new NXT should be about, rather than grit and um, skull stuff. Skulls. Uh, speaking of grumpy bastards, Imperium were next. Uh, they were facing Drake Maverick and Grayson Bloody Waller. New uh, appearance, first appearance in NXT for him, and they had a little pre-taped promo as Imperium were making a serious entrance uh, where Drake Maverick has sort of changed roles now. Now he's the serious professional. Jesus Christ. Trying to calm down Grayson Bloody Waller, who's like, I can't bloody wait till he's swinging there like a bloody koala or something. I don't know, I've got a bit too far there. <laughs> anyway, he, uh, he, Drake Maverick's there saying, just calm down. We're going to face Imperium. They are former tag champions. He's like, oh, don't worry about it. And then they just pissed off about having to carry Walter's bags. And Drake Roberts just rolls his eyes. I was like, mate, you're in no people in glass houses, basically. You're in no position to judge. I did like... So they have the match. Grayson Waller insists on starting it off and gets his ass handed to him. Drake Maverick comes in, gets some offense in, gets them in control of the match. And he's sort of setting up for something in the corner. And Grayson Waller, the old backslap tag. <laughs> Drake Maverick's... No! At that point, was spectacular, and you know what happens then. Drake Maverick gets hoied into the bloody lighting grid, and uh, they hit that doomsday device uppercut finisher thing that they've got uh, uh, for Marcel Bartel to cover Grayson Bloody Waller to get the victory for Imperium. It's tickled me, this match, just in terms of such a ridiculous role reversal for Drake Maverick. I mean, it tickled me, but not in the way that they probably intended. Like, (laughs) repetitive creative bankruptcy, bankruptcy that also, at the same time, reminds you of someone's redundancy, mm. someone getting released. I'm sure they mentioned other oh, rules of reversed here on NXT as we roll on. Which role? Oh, yeah, you just reminded me of the guy who got fired. Cool. That's what I really want out of, like, my mid-card fluff. That's meant to be a little bit of just daft, silly escapism. Um, the hell was this? <laughs> what on earth was this? It is possible for Drake Maverick to exist as someone who isn't in a strange bedfellows tag team, crazy as that is, he could simply be, as a quite tiny man, someone who Roderick Strong could kill. Mm. They could build up Roderick Strong using a Drake Maverick. This was so rubbish. It was pretty rubbish. I tell you what, though, I don't know why this has popped into my head, but a team of Drake Maverick and Ikemanjiro is mouth-watering for me. That's banter. That's a bit of banter. That's possibly good banter as well. This was not good banter at <laughs> all. Like, I just mystified watching this. I don't blame you. <laughs> Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. 
Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Uh, right, we have a backstage segment next. Um, oh, earlier on we got the uh, announcement, I believe there's a little video package confirming that the wedding takes place in two weeks, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Wade Barrett, hoy a special index t-shirt into the crowd because he couldn't give a less of a toss about all this. Please, NXT, I know you've taped all this, so it's bloody pointless. Please give us a stag do next week. If, if I have two weddings on television, one in AW, one in NXT, and neither of them have stag do segments, I'm going to flip my biscuit. It's ridiculous, this. It's such an open goal for Pat, and they don't do it. It's infuriating. AW didn't do it either. Yeah. Just to reiterate that point, because, yes, they absolutely have to do this. Like, Dexter Loomis, being the boring guy in the stag, who's, like, refuses to get in the spirit... He doesn't really contribute to the kitty because he's just a boring guy who doesn't talk. It's comic golden there. Yeah, if you if you've got the potential of Kip Sabian, Kip Sabian, Miro, Dexter Loomis, Johnny Gargano, Austin Theory, perhaps for example, and you pass up all of that to just say, "There's a wedding. We'll save save all the good stuff for the wedding." Are you saving all the good stuff? Because I'm not. I'm not confident. I can't remember the last good wrestling wedding we had. I mean, actually, I tell a lie. That was Bobby Lashley and Lana, but not for the reasons you're thinking. Well, Wilborn, you have to be careful here. What's the best part of the wedding? The stag or the wedding ceremony? Uh, what's this? The NXT review uh, stag? Yeah, definitely. She won't listen to this. So I know where I'm about. <laughs> <laughs> Did I tell you I had three stags? You had three stags. Three stags. One in Newcastle uh, for for all the people around here. One in Chesterfield, hometown. One in Amsterdam. I just Carnage. Had, I just had a home and away leg. Oh, I had yeah. an away leg in Hamburg and a home leg just in the Usburn area yeah. of Newcastle up on Tyne. But it's class like. I mean, it's very heavily skewed towards men. Like, for, for whatever reason, this has happened with every sort of one of my. Uh, well, it happened with me and it happened with all my close friends who got married. All the girls are like, oh, it's a trip to York. Yeah. An overnight in York. It's like. So I've uh, <laughs> two nights in yeah. Cologne, one night in Dusseldorf. We'll go whitewater rafting. We'll put them in a. We'll put the stag in like a KY jelly pool with strippers. Uh, what did you dress? Did you so is knob. Did you? Have, did you have a costume? <laughs> what costumes? Did you I was have? a luchador. Oh, that's good. Because that. like, I'm the wrestling guy of the group. But uh, that's a nice little. Uh, we'll make um, cocktails. A cocktail in yeah. York. All right, okay. Well, white or rafting. The missus went on one recently, and she did. She learned a dance from Greece, and I was like, "Yeah, like the same." Like, we'll funnel alcohol into the, into him until he passes out. I saw my mate's cock covered in grease. <laughs> <laughs> guess what I was dressed as on my stag do? See if you can guess. Ginger spice, of course it was. Uh, right, <laughs> what are we doing? But yeah, absolutely, do a stag do. Uh, in this, because in this segment, it just reminds you about Gargano. He's getting ready, of course, to face L.A. Knight and uh, Indy Hart was there saying, "Give Dex Loomis a chance." Oh, I don't want to give that knob a chance. Turned around, he stood right there and he goes, "Oh, stop doing that!" Basically, um, but yeah, Johnny Gargano, I'm stagging you. I'm stagging you. This is your stag. Would be absolutely spectacular stuff, and oh, it will be such a disappointment if they don't do anything with this next week. I mean, they have to. It's what you do, you go on a stag. Yeah. Oh, I love how we've not even mentioned, oh, you know what, Indy Hartwell should have a Hindu. Yeah. Oh, that is, it'd be great patter as well, don't get me wrong. Yeah, Indy Hartwell's a great comedy performer, but it just proves how massively sexist the whole thing is. Yeah. It, it just like, is. Yeah, Candice, you know, Candice LeRae. Indy and, Hartwell, Candice LeRae, uh, they can go to York. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Dexter, Johnny... I don't know if Austin Theory should be going. Uh, <laughs> they could all go to like, uh, they go to Prague. Invite Mike, Mike Cam, take, take Cameron Grimes. Yes. Yeah, because he can get them in the VIP rooms. Yeah. Take, That's the great. lad you invite. I don't really like him, but he's got a bit of 
wedge, so, you know. Prague's a good one. Yeah. Uh, big changes in NXT coming, including Ridge Bloody Holland saying hospital. What? He said hospital. Thought it was a local medical facility. That's what that was. That's what he was going to say. Local Chamber. medical facility. Yeah, I'm going to batter you and send you to hospital. Basically, that's what he said. Send you to local facility. <laughs> and then, uh, well, speaking of being people being sent to local medical facilities, Saray had been beaten up backstage quite blatantly by Gigi Dolin and JC Yane. But who possibly did it? Uh, and then they walked out of the room as it happened. Their acting was no good. <laughs> right, let's move on to Johnny Gargano versus L.A. Knight. Um, L.A. Knight in control early on, back and forth sort of stuff here. Uh, but Gargano sends him to the outside, hits a suicide dive, but Knight regains control on the outside, batters it and takes the piss out of Loomis and Hartwell. God damn you. Uh, we come back from the uh, break. Uh, Knight is still in control. He misses a knee drop, though, so that allows Gargano to hit a downward spiral and the slingshot spear. But then Knight recovers and hits a pop-up power slam. Did like that where he dropped him backwards instead of forwards. That was very impressive from LA Knight and something different from him. Uh, Gargano goes for one final beat, but Knight counters it. He knocks Gargano off the apron into the arms of an angel. No, into the arms of Dexter <laughs> Loomis, who catches him. Great visual, great, you know, preposterous overreaction from Johnny Gargano. This isn't supposed to happen. But he looks like he's recovered and, and got LA Knight in a position where he can hit his finisher and win. And uh, akin to what he does with Austin Theory, the high five, LA Knight, I said, LA Knight, what I'm talking about? Dexter Loomis holds out his hand. Johnny Gargano distracts himself going for that. And LA Knight hits his BT, BFT finisher for the one, two, three. Dexter Loomis screws Johnny Gargano. I don't know what the hell this was. No, I don't either, to be honest. The match itself, like, what is Johnny Gargano? He's, he plays this total dog. Quite brilliantly, I might add, on this NXT TV show, as a mid-card guy whose main event career appears to be over. And yet, when he's in the ring, uh, he's just like babyface super worker who barely cheats. It's like, can you not have a bit of fun with it? LA Knight's been really fun. Have more fun. And got this just was sometimes a bit of drab, quote-unquote, good wrestling. Like, be dicks to each other. It's Explore thing. like your characters in the context of the match. Like, Johnny Gargano being caught cheating, selling it as if he's, like, but wouldn't melt oblivious to it. Like, have a dickhead off. Yeah. We say this all the time. When they book these weird sort of heel versus heel matches, we go, well, that's doesn't, it's completely counterintuitive. You know, especially in WWE where they have defined heels and faces and it's it just, that's the way that it works with the WWE style. And then we see these matches and we go, well, no, hang on, give it a second. There might be some potential, like you say, to see who can you know, do the screwiest thing. Like, they both kick each other in the dick, but they're both wearing cups because they're sneaky little bastards or something like that. And then they just go, no, then just have a five, ten minute match. Just trade, go back and forth, and then distraction finish. And it's like, again, so much potential there to showcase these characters of the fact that there's no there's no heroes in this match, apart from Dexter Loomis and Indy Hartwell. But in reality, they just had a back and forth house show match. Uh, it's just so odd in the finish as well. Like, they continually make their talents look like idiots. Johnny Gargano could not have looked more like an idiot here. Oh, my God, he's uh, showing me a sign of friendship. You're in a match. You're in a fight, you little tit. You wanted to cancel the wedding last week. And, uh, the, oh, the stories that we're telling, this is a development. I think he's... I think we're warming to I think each he's other. He's trying to communicate. Yes. Like, he, made, he looked like a dick. He looked like an idiot. Dexter Loomis, what was it like? Dexter Loomis is Dusty Rhodes. Put your hand to the television. <laughs> Reach out to me. It's like this powerful, spellbinding, classic promo where he's like, people legitimately, I guarantee, would have been putting their hand on the telly when Dusty Rhodes was doing that. Dexter Loomis, like, eating pork and beans. And Johnny Gargano's inspired by this to give him a high five. Like, honestly, what on earth is this? And at some point, and it happens frequently throughout this run where Johnny Gargano's just an idiot, 
Ruby X, but I'm going to wrestle Kushida in a great four and three quarter stop. How could I possibly give a toss? Mm, yeah, exactly. Uh, right, we get MX, MSK, they're backstage to go into William Regal's office, and they say they want to give only Lorcan and Danny Birch a shot at the titles because they never lost the titles, of course, with Danny Birch's injury. Uh, and Regal agrees and books the tag team title match for next week on NXT. Later on, we'll get a second one added. But never mind all that bollocks. Next week, me, Yings, debuting happening ah can't wait i'm so excited we should dedicate much of the preview if not all of it to this development she's gonna get she's gonna get put in a headlock by someone <laughs> i know it's like the dragon i'll tell you how to escape a hammerlock you know what i mean it's like like the triple h uh trish stratus segment yeah the dragon was like bending her over. <laughs> sure, oh, like love. <laughs> like the other dragon. <laughs> I can't wait, man. Yeah. The woman who was trained by a thousand-year-old dragon, or the thousand-year-old woman who was trained by a dragon, it's like the dragon's like, you know, it's bend over a little bit. Yeah. Like, it's called she, the hemlock, not a wristwatch. <laughs> it is going to be, and there's going to be a point in that match, regardless if that doesn't happen, where someone's going to go... You know how to beat the thousand-year-old dragon lady. Roll up. What I love about this, if you apply a bit of thought to it, like, Xylee's in, like, that weird purgatory. Go on, let's do a dark match. Yeah, don't care about you. <laughs> Triple H is, like, written out all these storylines, and they're not, you know, oh, oh. they're in the void. Yeah. Not a great place for them, but that's where they are, the, the, the void. And the whole idea is, like, Xylee's been banished for her failings. Boa <laughs> also sucks. <laughs> It's time for my Ying to show people the real power of Shansha and like be great in the ring and be all powerful. But this match has to last three seconds and she has to like incinerate or like kill this person. Yeah. And she's gonna do like a huh? yeah, great technique on that arm drive. <laughs> she's gonna wait. be in she's gonna be in peril and she's gonna go, time to I think spit the deadly mist in their eyes. There we go, job done. Oh, I'm so excited. Uh, right, we've got a swash, swash match effectively next. Jesse Camille fighting Raquel Gonzalez. She's got a bit of, tiny bit of offense in. Uh, snaps uh, Raquel Gonzalez's leg over the top rope after getting out of a suplex. Uh, and uh, yeah, gets a near fall, but Gonzalez recovers, drop kicks her into the corner, hits her finisher. One, two, three. And then Frankie Monet stared her down. Is that where they're going next, you reckon? I hope not. <laughs> that seemed to be the suggestion. She's not resonating as a world champion at all. No. But Robert Stone looks great. That's the main thing. I love him. Yeah, I do like him a lot. More of that sort of thing. Uh, right, we get a response from Ember Moon to the KD Ray stuff earlier. It's her birthday. Happy belated birthday to Ember Moon from all of us here at What Culture. And she responds to KD Ray, as I said, though, and says, let's have a match next week on NXT. Good. Have KD Ray batter Ember Moon next week to set her up. Tried and true NXT booking. And for once, I'm not being a... Euphemistic there. Mm. They've had a long history of using someone that fans have an attachment to, who's not really in the main event mix, to get over as a credible scalp for the new person coming in. More than happy with this. Should be a good cracking little match as well. Uh, then we got a sit-down interview, the first sit-down interview with the new NXT champion, three-time NXT champion, Samoa Joe. God, I'd love to go for beers with these two. Wade Barrett and Samoa Joe. No, I wouldn't. Sitting down. Uh, Joe... Talks about setting a precedent as the standard bearer for NXT uh, and talks about the mad weekend he had, basically. He was in Las Vegas scouting NXT talent. He was working all weekend. Then he took a red-eye flight back here because he needed to win the NXT title. Uh, it's now time to defend it. If anyone wants something, come and try and take it from him. What did you think of this? Um, oh, I wish wrestlers would just shut up like in real life. Small Joe's been fed pilled. Oh, yeah. He's a huge I part. forgot about it. I wonder why you said you didn't want to go for it, but then I remembered, yeah. The- yeah, because he, he would tell us how great WWE is over five pints. That's <laughs> what he would do. Being fed pilled, man. He was talking about, he was asked about the forbidden door and clearly is jelly. And he claims to not want any part of it because he knows he can't. So he's like, ah, you wouldn't loan out Lionel Messi. What's that? If Lionel Messi was in NXT, you wouldn't, <laughs> you wouldn't have any worries at all, but, Um so, yeah, he was talking in the press about how he hates Vindor despite starring in the ROH versus CCW feud, which was absolutely awesome, intricate, must-see, fabulous storytelling that when it finished, both promotions, respectively, were left in a state of decent health. Um, 
he also had a great match with Pro Wrestling Nords, Kenta Kabashi, in Norway show. And now he's talking about how he doesn't need the Forbidden Door. Like, it really helped his career enormously. Mm. So, uh, it, don't get fed-pilled, simply. Mm. And I will enjoy your TV segments more. But, I'm not just saying this out of spite. Him being office in canon, I don't like that. No. It's been the badass. People were really happy about Samoa Joe coming in. I remember it, like, it had sparked actual conversation on NXT because people liked, oh, this, they've got a badass at last. And now he's like playing office and he's like, Christ, got to do these bloody jobs. Yeah, the whole point of Stone Cold wasn't that he went, I want to be this beer drinking badass, stunnering everyone left, right, and center. But, you know, nine to five, I'll put a tight on. Like, that was the whole point yeah. that he didn't do that. And everyone yeah. was like, yep, yeah, all that. And I know he's like, he is in office in NXT storylines where he was. But him talking about how he's a workhorse and he's scouting talent and he's trying to be the face of the new X, new NXT on and off screen. I don't give a toss about any of that. No. Because he can't make any difference whatsoever. None whatsoever. It is unlike something like Cody in November or October 2019 when he's talking about his executive role and how proud he is of AEW. It's like, yes, because people loved him for what he was doing in AEW because he was creating this new world. Samoa Joe can only sit there, talk about how it's all great, even if it's bad. This ruins his credibility for me and his aura. In the words of, I can't remember who said this, he's just a spoke on a wheel, and the wheel's just going to keep on turning. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Uh, right, as you called, Ikemenjiro versus Roderick Strong. He was the one to answer the open challenge, and as we talked about on the preview It's yesterday, like saying... I'm going to call out one of the headbangers. Who's it going to be? Chazamash. <laughs> yes. Um, he. They showed the video that we talked about, the WWE.com exclusive, saying he was going to defend the honor of his idol, Kushida, basically. Um, Diamond Mine's got bigger again. They've got the Creed Brothers now part of it. And uh, uh, Ikemenjiro, um there was a bit where he just did a move with his coat, which made me laugh. He just sort of went, way like, like a flasher. <laughs> of, did, of course it did. Uh, but he did get some great offense in, um, but then he got hip-tossed into the steps, and yeah, it was all Roderick Strong's pretty much after that. Um, he did get a near fall, I will say, off an Arabian moonsault, Jiro, uh, but in the end, Strong just went to what he knows best and just murdered Ikemenjiro's back, hit him with a backbreaker, a falling backbreaker. One, two, three. Roderick Strong living up to his name in that result, I suppose. <laughs> I should have seen the face that dickhead has just pulled at me. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, I, this is exactly what it was going to be, and I can't really say much more other than that. But with the addition of the Creed brothers having buried the diamond mine for shrinking in their ranks, I uh, welcome this development with arms wide open. Uh, I see what you did there. Very good. Very, very good. Tyler Russ in the background. My sacrifice. <laughs> you know who Tyler Russ looks like? He's like <laughs> Jack Simon Payne. Get to the main event. Okay. Uh, Casey Catanzaro, Ken Carter in the back. Uh, they're having a back and forth with the NXT uh, Women's Tag Team Champions, Io Shirai and Zoe Stark. Um, they're saying that they've earned this shot, basically. Zoe Stark says, don't care. We're going to batter you. And Io Shirai says she doesn't like everyone, but she likes <laughs> Kaden Carr and Casey Catanzaro even less than she dislikes Zoe Stark. So we're going to win, basically. And Zoe Stark's like, yeah, turns around to Kaden and Casey. Yeah, that's right. Goes to fist bump. Io Shirai's already left. Zoe Stark has got no comic timing whatsoever. Nope. Why would they give her this rule? I'm not being funny. I would complain either way. Let yes. the wrestlers wrestle. All right, that's boring. All right, give the wrestlers some personality. Well, you know. Send the wrestlers to a sushi restaurant. <laughs> it's just absolute hot garbage. Absolute hot garbage, all of this. Well, thankfully, it was recovered by the greatest backstage segment possibly in NXT's history because it featured everyone I like. It was Ian Kerrigan, baby, to the moon. Uh, talking about... Just looking at um, Adam Wilborn's notes, and this is so endearing, um, to the moon is capitalised. Yeah. Just to remind myself, uh, he's there, he's chatting about, uh, you know, what happens now and, you know, Million Dollar Championship, moving on from that with Ted DiBiase, of course, when in come the grizzled young veterans, they take the piss out of Cameron Grimes, you know, winning or holding a replica championship, and they say, hey, you never know, next week you could win the North American Championship, or even you could be Universal Champion if you buy it from WWEshop.com, ha ha ha, what a bunch of knobheads, basically. And Cameron Grimes said, oh, can I have a look at that? And yeah, I thought he was just going to twat him with the belt, but even more spectacular 
physical comedy here because he looks at it, he goes, oh, do you know what? These replica belts, they're pretty good. Good shilling for WWE shop as well, by the way. These are, these are bigger and heavier than you realize. Drops it. It lands on Zach Gibson's foot. He sells it. He's absolutely fuming. And Cameron Grimes throws money at the problem and walks off. Brilliant. Best, best segment in NXT, this, for me. History, yes. <laughs> Anything? Nah, it's just it was funny. Uh, funny. Funny. Yeah, good. You've got one of these. One of them. <laughs> A little nose laugh. Uh, and we get to the main event. It was Ridgeville Holland versus Tommaso Ciampa. Of course, a ringside for Ridge Holland. There was only Lork and Danny Burge and Python. And uh, this is all about getting revenge again, as we talk, talked about earlier with the Timothy Thatcher stuff. And they really do brawl all over the place. They go outside the ring. Uh, Champa's, you know, in control here. You know, he's the more experienced wrestler despite Ridge Holland's size. But the numbers game, i.e. Lorcan, Birch, and uh, particularly Lorcan and Birch, so distracts Champa. That allows him to uh, hit, hit Ridge Holland to hit him with a bloody pounce in amongst all this. Champa comes back, hits some uh, lariats, uh, gets a near fall off the back of it. And Holland recovers, though, fights out of something and hits a Alabama slam. And a nice moment where, well, not nice, obviously, but where they sort of, you know, cover his history of neck problems, Tommaso Ciampa, and the referees check on him. Ridge Holland's having to be held back because he wants to batter him so much. He gets a near fall off the back of it. The match continues. Again, they go to the outside. Ciampa gets headbutted by Holland. He uh, power slams him into the barricade, but um, Holland goes to charge into him. Champa gets out of the way and Holland just slams into the barricade. Uh, power slams Champa off the apron, uh, or goes to at least, sorry. Uh, Champa fights free, hits him with a Willow's Bell. One, two, three. Tommaso Champa gets revenge on Rid Holland for toothless Timmy. He gets the victory, but before he can celebrate, in comes Pete Dunne to attack him. Uh, also, Lorcan and Birch help him, holding Champa up for an attack from Pete Dunne. When MSK, who are of course defending the tag titles next week against. Birch and Lorcan come down to make the save and a big brawl to close the show. What did you think of the main event? Um, I think they're building towards a War Games match. Ooh. As a result, I think, as I said yesterday, very consistent I am, that Champa should get the win here. I understand that it potentially risks Holland going 50-50, but the idea is he's this big, raw bruiser who's not yet the finished article who's been drafted by Yadun's et al. as this big, hard lad who's, like, new in the game, very promising. But you can beat people like that with the inbuilt reason of they don't have the experience to hang with a champer. They can take them to the limit, but they can't put them away every time. I'm thinking MSK, Thatcher and Champer mm-hmm. versus Ridgebley Holland, Dunn, Birch, Lorcan for it's war good games. Match. And that should be thrilling. MSK in war games will be absolutely yeah. unbelievable. Especially when they get the two-on-one numbers advantage because the uh, babyface... Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. It should be a great bit of uh, high, tandem high spots there. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, no, they've literally only done that once. I just like to take the piss. That sounds One like... too many times. Indeed, indeed. That sounds like a cracking war games match. Loads of different types of cool stuff. Mm. Like high spots. Then you've got like just total... Brute force savagery, nice technical heel work. It will make, and it's the best possible use of, there are at least three terminally dull characters. Great wrestlers, but at least three terminally dull characters involved in this storyline, which appears to be sprawling outwards. Um, Hoy them in the War Games cage and make them interesting. Are they going to try and do, you know, that mad, I love the spot where one of MSK flips and the other one pushes them on. Over the ropes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a fair distance to go that, but I believe that they can do it. Ah, oh, class, eh? Just don't do, like, ridiculous, like, weapons for the sake of weapons. Like, the cage itself is a weapon that should be used more and sold more. Mm. It doesn't really resonate. It's this big, huge, ominous, like, thing that can really damage you when there's, like, tables and fire extinguishers and, like, bins. I've been on the head, though. It's good, good, good part. Aye. Take all the weapons out and just have a war games match. Yeah. Yes, and that one specifically, which it feels like it's building towards. So on that basis, I've got no qualms about Ridgebully Holland getting beat. The match itself was passable. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's a simple story. Big old bastard Ridgebully Holland, incredibly talented wrestler. 
still doing all the fun back slapping spots that he does that pops the crowd. And like you say, developments with this story, you've got Toothless Timmy to come back, and now MSK appears to be on that side of things. Sorry, Timothy Gachi, I just got used to calling him that today. Um, but yeah, potentially. It's a re- I didn't even consider a War Games match as a hell of a shout. It's the season. Yeah, let us know. Yeah, no, we're getting there. We're, we're getting there. It's like November, isn't it? They can drag this out for a few more weeks. Sure oh, will. The storyline's going to change in two weeks. It's going to be fine. They should do it is like the end of Triple H's era. Because if nothing else... The fact that he got war games on NXT was very much, oh Christ, he's getting his own way because Vince always hated the idea. He's like, well, you're missing some ringside seats there, pal. <laughs> yeah. That, that, he's such a cheap bastard. <laughs> well, I would never do war games because two rings means that there's less ringside seats. But think think about this. Two rings, which means you can have two different colors. Uh, new NXT. Oh, my God. You've ruined it. <laughs> I haven't ruined it. I've Synergy. Old and new merging together. One ring, schools. Other rings, rainbows. <laughs> schools and rainbows. If I was ever going to do an NXT sequel book, I would call it that. Right, let's know your thoughts on this week's NXT on Twitter. But I'm going to do a different book instead. Oh. Ambassador, you're swarming us. At What Culture WWE on Twitter. You can follow both of us watching. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. More little trees like that sort of thing. Follow me on Twitter <laughs> at Adam Wilborn for memes. Uh, follow all of us, as I said, at What Culture WWE and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, uh, including later on today our AEW Dynamite preview. But for now, this has been the NXT review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.